You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Happy Veterans Day. Eric Soap here. Had to get our election coverage going. So we called one of our favorites, NLC LA alum, Michael Cap. He was our go-to person. His second time on The Zag. He's got all the insights on election night and all the ongoing things happening still. So let's get to it. All right, Mr. Cap, remind folks why we tend to call you for political things. What does your, your life usually involve when it comes to politics? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, thanks so much, Eric, for having me on. Uh, this is Michael Cap. I'm a uh, member of the Democratic National Committee from California, also a longtime L.A. and California uh, activist. Uh, working to elect Democrats up and down the ballot and enact uh, progressive policies and values that uh, we all share. Yeah, so let's work backwards. What is your current take on where some of these uh, still ongoing races are in, in California, a couple of House seats? What are you hearing? What kind of things are you seeing? Well, we're, we're seeing what we had hoped. Uh, California, we're, we're a large state. We have lots of uh, urban centers. That means that it takes a little bit longer to, to count the votes. But we know that it's important that every vote is counted. And we see the difference uh, of uh, what happens on Election Day versus all the votes that are counted after Election Day, uh, which are generally uh, vote by mail uh, ballots, those that uh, were dropped in the mailbox on Election Day, all of those count, as well as all the provisionals, which tend to be uh, much more uh, democratic, much more progressive than uh, the the ballots on Election Day. So uh, we, we know a lot of these uncounted ballots, those are going to tend to be uh, democratic uh, liberal voters uh, compared to everyone else. So uh, election night, we were close in a lot of these uh, races uh, to statewide for uh, state superintendent of public instruction and uh, state insurance commissioner, as well as half a dozen congressional seats uh, around the state. And what we've seen, we've seen a uh, trend uh, since election day, um, as the county registrars are counting these ballots, that these votes are tending more and more democratic. And is there any way you see a way to retrain both the electorate and the media that election night is is really the first stop and what's going to be a, a long journey for some of these things, right? You, you see such a rush that people want to have closure and finality. But how do you feel like you could retrain folks to see that it's probably going to be election night plus a week, two, sometimes three weeks? It's it's going to take several cycles for the, the media to get it. I, I understand the world that they live in and that by Wednesday morning, they have to come out with print and they need a definitive answer, but you're not going to see that. And as we uh, move forward, we're going to see less and less uh, definitive results out on election night. In, in California, we're moving to a completely new system where, with uh, voting centers instead of polling places, and everyone is going to get a mail-in uh, ballot. Uh, with free postage. And that's going to change uh, not only how we do campaigns, but how uh, we report on campaigns as well. Makes sense. And then uh, kind of working backwards then from where we are now, what was your strategy on election night? Did you go to parties? Did you hunker up in your living room and drink a lot of vodka? What was your plan for the evening? Well, uh, the last election night party that I went to before this cycle was uh, at the Janet Center in New York for mm. Hillary's election <laughs> night party. So I did not want that uh, experience again. 
uh, my local Democratic club, the Miracle Mile Dems, we hosted a, a, a small uh, election night party in the area that we're in, in Los Angeles. We didn't have a whole lot of uh, uh, competitive races. There, there were some, if you're willing to, to drive out to Santa Clarita in Orange County, but we know that a lot of people right after work, they're not going to want to go there. Um, so we, we had a nice election night party at a, a local uh, restaurant. Uh, we had a TV, we had computers, free Wi-Fi, so people were able to uh, get the reports as, as quickly as possible. And then as you're seeing returns come in nationwide, what kind of things do you usually queue in on? One big thing, of course, is is voter turnout. It's it's hard to tell, especially as lots of states move towards uh, mail-in uh, ballots uh, to gauge voter turnout, but that's that's really key. However, after 2016, I've stopped making election predictions. <laughs> that's a smart move. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about what you were seeing in terms of ground game before election night. Anything stand out differently? Because I know you've been on a lot of near and, and, and inside, inside sometimes campaigns. What kind of things do you see happening that was a little bit different this time? Well, for this time, we returned to the 50-state strategy um, at the DNC. That's investing in all of our uh, state parties, uh, not just focusing on those that we believe that uh, we can flip. This means in uh, red states, just as we do in blue states, we invest. Uh, to build up the infrastructure from the ground up, making sure that everyone has the same resources that uh, they need in order to reach all all voters who are democratic or or lean uh, democratic. So that investment right off the bat is is huge because even in blue states like California, we still have some uh, some parts of our state that are more red than others. But and the same thing in uh, uh, red states, we need to make sure that we organize in our rural communities to get out the vote. So uh, people knock on on doors and they actually meet a a Democrat. We heard that a lot uh, in a lot of these special elections like the the John Ossoff race in in Georgia. A lot of the voters that we contacted uh, for for his race had never spoken with uh, a Democratic volunteer before. And we saw that pay off uh, dividends uh, for the uh, Georgia uh, governor's race, Stacey Abrams. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When we come back, uh, a few more questions about where we go from here. We're talking to Michael Cap about election night and beyond. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. One thing I'm curious about, I feel like when Republicans win elections, they are really good about consolidating power and making it harder to lose power. I don't think Dems have been as successful as that. What kind of ways could, uh, from an infrastructure standpoint, the the Dems act to ensure that this momentum continues? Well, I I think, uh, number one, we expanded the map uh, on Tuesday. Uh, We emphasized we're a 50-state party. We're organizing everywhere, and we organized everywhere early. And we'll continue to do that in 2019. But we flipped uh, House seats from uh, upstate New York to Texas and Oklahoma. We took back governor's mansions from Maine to Kansas and New Mexico. And we also flipped a a bunch of state legislature uh, chambers from from all across the country. And with that, we're able to enact uh, progressive policies in order to make sure that people have a chance to impact um, the voting process by expanding the the right to vote, 
Um, just look at Amendment 4 in Florida, where uh, we finally gave uh, felons the, the right to vote, um, where I believe the, the statistic was before uh, Amendment 4 in, in Florida, 40% of black men in the state of Florida could not vote. And it's measures like this that uh, we can fight back against uh, disenfranchising uh, women, uh, people with disabilities, Native Americans. We saw a lot of uh, voter suppression when it comes to, to them. Uh, voter suppression was uh, throughout uh, Georgia uh, with the Republican Secretary of State running for, for governor in that state to try to suppress the, the vote of African-American voters. We, we need to fight back against that. And when we take back state legislatures and uh, governor seats, that that really helps and build back our, our bench. And then what kind of things should we watch for here in California? Because the, the state house supermajority is looking like will be even stronger than it has been in the last couple of years. What kind of policies do you feel like could emerge from from having such a supermajority like that? I think we like can that? continue seeing uh, California on, on the path that uh, we have been on with Governor Jerry Brown, with our new governor-elect uh, Gavin Newsom. Uh, we also uh, not only won back our supermajorities in, in both the state assembly and state senate, but remember, the voters also soundly rejected uh, the gas tax repeal. So I'm, I'm hopeful we can see many more investments in uh, infrastructure, uh, whether that's uh, for stormwater, like we did with Measure W in L.A. County, or with the, the gas tax with, with transportation, because these uh, don't only mean uh, reducing traffic, but it means cleaner air, it means better quality of life, it means good paying jobs, many of them union jobs uh, that are local, and uh, that lifts up all of us. So we'll see more of that. That's good. And then uh, last thing, give us two candidates who won that you're super excited about, either in California or nationwide? I'm, who should we I'm keep very excited for, uh, for Katie Hill in the Santa Clarita Valley. She's going to be a strong advocate uh, for, uh, for that community, uh, much more responsive to, uh, to, to the needs of the community, as well as uh, our, our American values and holding uh, this, this president, this White House and his uh, party accountable. Um, that that's very exciting to me. Another thing that's exciting to me is that we had a clean sweep in the statewide elections in Wisconsin, getting rid of Scott Walker, who went after the, the unions, the teachers unions in that state. And uh, this is a, a state, as, as you probably remember, that uh, hurt the Democrats. We, we lost that state back in 2016 with Hillary Clinton. And we had a complete sweep of all the statewide candidates. Uh, for for the Democratic Party, those that's about building the bench and setting them uh, setting us up nicely for 2020. Sounds good. Well, listen, thanks for coming on. Thanks for all your work in the campaign season. Get some sleep now. And thanks for everyone for listening to this episode. And definitely learn more about all the NLC alums who ran and won uh, from last Tuesday. There's 60 plus. There's some. Votes are still being counted, but an incredible night all over the country of alums doing great things in super local races and really important ones, actually including the uh, attorney general there out in Wisconsin. So lots of alums doing amazing stuff. You can catch even more alums 
on past episodes of the Zach, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher. It's all there. Check it out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you soon.